Um, now listen, everybody. Before mm-hmm. we get this podcast started tonight, yeah. there's something that's been weighing on my mind that I have to address. Uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday was happening, and everything was going down. There was people in the store, and I had a list of things in my head that I was trying to get to. And wonderful friend of the show, member of the family of the comics place, Will Elmer, asked me a question, and it was, do you think that there is an intentional reason or instance where they are referring to Jean Grey as Jean Grey and Marvel Girl in different issues? Some writers have done some. It's bounced between some. In Mm. that giant size Doubterman issue that just came out, she was in a yellow and green outfit that is a different color from the costume that was introduced in X-Men Red. But she's also been in the classic Marvel Girl outfit. So it's that that's it's like the X-Men Red outfit with the color of the Marvel Girl one. So are you thinking that this is a hint that she's been uh, duplicated? I don't know. But when he asked me the question, I was in such a hurry and grabbing some other people's books that it's a thing that hasn't been on my mind while reading the comics. But I think that I shut the question down. And I've felt bad about it since then. Well, he's never going to hear this this podcast. He's never going to hear this. He probably quit listening. Well, listen, thank you for (laughs) understanding my guilt complex. And now, can we please, as a three of us, try to come to some conclusion about that so that Will Elmer will get a good answer to his question and that he will uh, at least sense my regret for not giving it the time that it deserved as he was talking to me in the comic shop. I never even considered that. I didn't notice any. And it... That was where I was at as well. And and so my initial thought was like, it hasn't occurred to me, so maybe we're reading into a thing that's not there. But then also, you know, that's bullshit. Django's looking at me thoughtfully here. I see I see three possible solutions that jumped into my head when you were describing it. Okay. One, Will should know better than to ever talk to you on a Wednesday. Like, just just buy your comics and get out. Right? No one comes to a comic shop to be a part of the culture. I'm just kidding. Uh, we like answering Will's questions. Oh, we love answering everybody's Any questions. questions. I, I had three actual things, though. Yeah. One, uh, poor editing. I think that's absolutely on the table. Now? Yep, yep. I think I think you need to edit the X books better, Jeff. I think it's totally possible that with the number of X books that they're cranking out, even the people at Marvel who are editing the series can't keep up with reading them and don't know who's in what costume. Mm-hmm. I think that's totally possible and something that we might just have to live with at some point. Um, number two was what I interrupted you with. Um, maybe she got restored from a backup prematurely so there are two of them running around and we just haven't had that interstitial x-men issue that explains that yet okay number three and uh this one this one is maybe gonna push you over the edge of uh trying to figure out how to edit this podcast but uh (laughs) number three similar to how when i say I went to high school in Casper, Wyoming. Somebody says, oh, I know somebody that lived in Wyoming 30 years before you. Do you know them? (laughs) And I'm like, no, we don't all know each other. Just like when somebody's like, oh, hey, you're another race. Do you know so-and-so? Assuming Uh that uh even if they're in the same town that they might know each other, right? And um, maybe these are... Uh, this this doesn't cover the costume thing, but I think that we assume that all the mutants know each other at this point, and I think that that is a flawed assumption because there are, what, thousands of mutants? Yeah. So, Will, 
Thank you for your question. And the least qualified guy was able to give you three choices. Pick one. <laughs> run with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope I hope that's a satisfactory answer. And uh, and we care about you very much. Now let's get down to business. Just a couple boys trying to have a fucking sip. Am I right? That's more than a couple. That's three boys. I'm Django. I'm Jeff. I'm Roman. Let's get to it. All right. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast, where every Tuesday we get a whole bunch of comic books. We bring them to our comic shop that we know, love, run, support, spend our time at. Smells good. Smells good. And uh, we take them all upstairs. We sort them, count them, love them, go through all of them excitedly. Then we pilfer them with our little fritter fingers. We take them back home. Uh, We read as many as we possibly can before Wednesday when we come back to the shop. And... uh, Try to compassionately answer as many questions as we can, and sometimes we fall short of that. Um, and then we come up to our little fritter fort upstairs and uh, record a podcast where we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comic shop that I just mentioned, the lives that we come and go from, <laughs> the lies. or the comic books that we read. Every week we read them. Every week we read them, and we have varying levels of energy. And I think that in the last two weeks, we've had a sort of all-time low amount of energy here at the comic shop. At the shop or on the podcast? At the shop, which translates to the podcast, even though we're still yeah. cranking out quality content. Yeah. I think yeah. in the nation, even. <laughs> He's got little, little ratty fingers. You guys want to taste them? Cute. No one I've wants been, to I've taste I've washed them. my hands like a hundred times today, guys. Yeah, so let's talk about this corona <laughs> bug. How are you feeling about it? You on you know, you know on high alert? Or are you like Jeff and you're just sort of rolling around in baby's poop and, and not washing himself? <laughs> well, and, listen, the number of old <clears throat> comics that I go through in any given day that probably have rat shit on them yeah. have increased my immunities to basically superhero level mm, so mm. at the risk of walking out of here with the coronavirus i'm gonna say that i'm immune well i've been biting my nails uh for a long time oh, i wanted to short quit and clean. for a long time and then i realized this is probably exposing me to all sorts of bacterium i probably have a super bacterium which is why i'm just letting people cough in my mouth right now i'm not yeah. super worried about this corona thing because i i believe in comics and i believe in superpowers and even if i get it I'll make the best of it. Roman, where are you at with this corona bug? I'm, I'm following the CDC rules, and, and but I'm probably immune because, you know, when you're asleep, I come in and I bite your nails. Oh, so yeah. you have that going for you. Yeah. You're also so, my, I've, so I've got your immunity. You're also my grandma, gamma grandpa. Gamma grandpa, okay. My gamma I got, I got the green door. If the coronavirus comes by, I'll go through the green door and I'll come out and smash it. That was the closest the Romans ever had to rapping. Yeah, that was? was that was like chant adjacent. It was, it was like, it was like there he go, you know, uh-huh. oh he go, uh-huh. there he go. Uh, I gotta tell you, it's been really weird and kind of an adjustment for me every time I come in here, having to remember to cough into your mouth instead of my elbow. I know, it's, and what I really appreciated is that someone's doing it. Yeah, you know. Sam's clearly about to sneeze. I'm like, in the mouth, in the mouth. And she's like, no, that's gross. She throws the bow up. I throw the bow out. She gets it somewhere on me. But what I like is that Django knows. You give a cough, you give a sneeze, you put it in Jeffy's tongue. Jeff asks for something, you give it to him. Absolutely. And yep. if he wants to strengthen this immunity, 
here's a tool reference. No hierarchies. Immunity. No hierarchies, no safe words. Um, so Django, with that spoiler warning that you've let out, like a giant clapped brick wall. Did I let out a spoiler warning? Uh, spoilers! <laughs> that was Roman's spoiler warning. Roman spoiled the air. We're not recording air. that again, are we? Oh, yeah. That was Django's clap against the wall thing. That was, uh, oh, we're back at it. I thought it was just an FX. So, oh, yeah. Oh. Wee, 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 wee. Post prod. Post prod. Uh, okay, so here we are, getting ready to spoil some comics for yeah. people. Buddy life. Um, look, if you haven't read these, maybe pause it. Maybe skip skip issues. Maybe, even better yet, stop worrying about spoilers and just enjoy the show. Yeah. I heard spoilers enhance things. I fell in love with all my original comic podcast loves when uh, they were spoiling the shit out of stuff, and that's just kind of how I caught up with things. Yeah. So this week, on behalf of Tombstone the Movie in theaters now, we're going to spoil <laughs> Strange Adventures number one, Billionaire Island number one, Marvel number one, King of Nowhere number one. Batman number who 90. 90 yep. Outer Darkness number 1. Spider-Man. Oh, sorry. Outer Darkness Chew number 1. Spider-Man Noir. Noir. 1. And Join the Future 1. Roman Strange Adventures number 1. Tom King, mm. Mitch Garrett, Evan Doc Shaner. We got an Adam Strange book by the the creative team that brought us Mr. Miracle and Doc Shaner added on there, who's the sort of awesome. progenitor comic art person. I'm a little bummed that he's getting rid of the Doc. Yeah. Is he? Well, it seems to be. It's did not he, on the cover. Did he lose his lose his doctorate? Probably. They took Dang. it away from him when he realized he'd been lying about it. Yeah, oh, that's too bad. But Doctor, I hardly know her! her. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be your huckleberry. Oh, God, isn't that a tombstoner? <laughs> yeah. um, you made that joke last week, and I didn't know it. <laughs> Oh, Jeff, he's a daisy if you do. Oh, I don't get it. Um, Roman, what do you know about Adam Strange going into all of this? Oh, what don't I know about oh, Adam Strange? Oh, my God, you huckleberry daisy. I think you don't know his middle name. Um, Ted. It's Doc, actually. <laughs> Adam Doc Strange. Oh, Marvel's going to sue. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> He, I, I, I know that. I think I know. We all know he's a. Oh, Earth whoa, man. whoa, 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 whoa! Don't assume oh, I oh. know anything because oh, I well. don't. Well, you know about the Zeta Bean. I know that we made a coffee called the Zeta Bean. That if yes. you subscribe to this uh, comic book and come into our comic shop, you get two dollars off uh, bags of the Zeta Bean coffee. That was a custom roast that the lovely folks at Tony's Coffee did for us. It has some gorgeous art on it. And don't worry, once you have that bag in your hand, it, it won't like disappear and off to ran across the galaxy. It's okay. yours to keep. So these are questions that I need answered now. Yeah, Adam tell Strange us. randomly just got hit by a Zeta Beam, was taken to the planet Ran, Yep. and now whenever the Zeta Beam wears off, he's taken back to Earth. Back to Earth. And so does he control the beam? Yeah. He, not originally, I think he has some degree of now he knows how to... Uh, Cal using maths, calculate where it's when and where it's going to hit, so he can he can pretty much kind of he can't control it, but he can he, he can schedule it to where to pick it up and everything and go to Ran. Huh? It, it was kind of like the Golden Age, no Silver Age, fifties. It seems like version. a fifties idea. Yeah, I think Gardner Fox probably was like, let's make a superhero, but but basic kind of like on John Carter who fell asleep in a cave, right? And, 
ended up on Mars. Okay, so this isn't John Carter. <laughs> this isn't John Carter. This is the DC Nor is it science fiction version of it. That, yeah, he goes there, he falls in love with a woman there who's the daughter of their top scientist dude. And, and, and has and, adventures. And so when he's there, does he automatically change costume? Does he Terminator from one place to the other, as in totally nude? Like, what happens when he arrives? I think he has to put on the costume either before or after he gets there. Okay. And I'm assuming that sometimes he might get Zeta beamed over naked in the middle of the desert and have an adventure only before he, he gets home? Yeah, only if he was naked the when he, before the beam hit. Okay, so he, yeah. he's... Okay. Cool. Okay, so, and I guess in this series, so that's just... I'm getting primer, but also hopefully it's serving as primer for any of our incredible listeners. Mm-hmm. But Like Will Elmer. Will Elmer, huge fan. Love that guy. Enormous heart. Um, like, almost concerned about his metal. Like, his heart is so big. You can see it from the outside. <laughs> like, I hope that he doesn't have a metal condition. Like, that's a big heart, dude. <laughs> you gotta take care of yourself. I don't know about Will's angiograms. I haven't watched any of that stuff. Good dude. Uh, wonderful man. Used to be my boss. Um, that's a true story. But where? Domino's Pizza. Oh, Domino's. Yeah. Oh, he's one of the Domino's folks. Yeah, he's like a high... He's like... He's high up there. We should see if they'll sponsor the spoilers sometime. Oh, that would be good, just because Roman and I, when we started, when I started working at the comic shop, he and I used to get a lot of Domino's we pizza. Did. Like, mm-hmm. I would just, on the clock, drive to Domino's, get us yeah, a Yeah, there, there was a one you came up with me that was so delicious. I still yeah. order it. You wrote it down somewhere on, yeah. like, an Urban Spoon thing. Yeah, it yeah. was mushrooms? Nope. Nope. It was, like, garlic, pineapple, uh, like, red... To peppers, like pickle. Yeah, yeah. Something like so, that. So, so I can smell your pizza. We have to pizza. talk about comics. <laughs> um, so, in this book, which is awesome, which is awesome, it's the we loved Mister Miracle. Like we've loved yeah. every issue of that it was. You know, book of the year probably for us. Um, so in this, it seems like it takes place after. Adam Strange has gone to Ran and ultimately liberated the planet from some invaders. The Picts. He, yeah. He's now come back to Earth in a capacity that feels more uh, no longer temporary. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like he's here for yeah. good. Yeah. And we keep getting hints that, like, he and his wife had a daughter, but he's lost the daughter. We don't yeah. know the details of that. And it also seems like he can't go back to Ran. Do, does do we have any idea of maybe why that is? Does it sound like the Picts destroyed Ran? I I got the idea that he saved Ran from the Picts uh, eventually. Definitely not in this issue because he's on the run by the end of it. Right? right, they're like leaving the capital city of Ran, which is being destroyed. Yeah, I I actually didn't put together that he's not able to go back and forth at this point. But yeah, I didn't. talking about okay, it now, maybe, that totally makes sense. Well, I could also be wrong. Yeah, um, I didn't I didn't get that either. Yeah, I. I think you're right, though, because there is no moving back and forth here. It's like the the stuff that Doc Evan Shaner illustrated is on Ran, and it's never flashing between them. It's like it's like a flashback every time we see him. Yeah, I was almost getting the feeling that maybe Ran has been destroyed, or the city has been destroyed, and he was escaping with his wife and daughter, and that was the last time he saw her, and mm-hmm. and maybe they're in this ship that took off, and now he can't go to Ran. So it's not necessarily she's dead, but he can't get to her because the Zeta Beam can't take him to her, and they're off now. Yeah. Now, well, I think that in like classic Mr. Miracle fashion and sort of classic Tom King fashion, like we don't have all the pieces here, mm-hmm. and I think that we're yeah. going to be introduced to a larger kind of 
mystery or complication the whole story but there's a I just I thought Adam Strange's demeanor was really interesting because I didn't feel like he was absolutely trustworthy but I don't I didn't get the feeling that he committed the crime that he's accused of in I this agree comic. there yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting. I think the mystery is is not going to be did he or didn't he, but the mystery is going to be why did someone else or what really happened on Ran? I think that yeah, some yeah. other stuff happened there yeah, that we so, don't know about, or maybe he doesn't remember. Yeah, that's why I think someone else happened. I'm wondering if maybe the Zeta beam has messed with his head a little. But did you notice one of the things that repeats though is is the picture of him and his fam and him and Alana and their daughter, except it's. It's blood splattered. So that was trying oh, to yeah. see is do you think that's blood splattered or is that are those roses falling in the background and foreground of the picture? Oh. Well, that's a much nicer interpretation than well, mine. Well, I was trying to decide both of those things. I couldn't decide. I think it's blood. Y- yeah, and oh, and I hadn't realized it's reflected in the his rocket pack right. panels. Either way, I am just in love with any book that raises as like, engages me as a reader this heavily. It's uh, it's much less <laughs> just serving you a story and instead it's asking you to like come with it and that's a that's a tom king thing like that's really those are the yeah. hearts of what i consider tom king stories yeah. is like go on this journey with me and, and i i really like that i yeah. i really thought it the the juxtaposition worked really well for me and the i really appreciate the two different artists in this hopefully that also means that we won't have any delays yeah i hope that continues because yeah i'm totally in i'll I trust Tom King. Tom King. Unless Evan's still going, like going back to medical school for his degree. <laughs> yeah, which you know that's an admirable thing. I. It's been so long since the first Mister Miracle issue came out, but I feel like this one. I mean, we loved that one. Mm-hmm. This one was a little bit more. It gave me a, a better idea of what the story is than Mister Miracle did. I'm so I'm so excited for this journey. I'd give it a nine. A nine. I think I'd give it a nine as well. God, Roman, you're looking Jesus at me like Christ. you're about to unzip it, buddy. Uh, here, Jeff, can I cough in your mouth while he puts his dick on the table? Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a 10. <laughs> give it 10 Ranny and Gooey Ducks. Oh, oh no. Man. Desert Gooey Ducks. Desert Goobers. <laughs> um, what, what gave you, what What was it about it that like sealed the tin for you? Is it that you just sort of have a nostalgic love for this character that you haven't seen? Like what, what really nailed that home for you? Everything, everything in the, everything in the book. I everything mean, geez, in the damn just, book, Jeff. I mean, the fact that I was like, when Batman turned him down, I was like, oh, well, who's he gonna get? It's not gonna be Plastic Man, even though I would love it to be Plastic Man. That was a and terrific then, choice. And then Mr. Terrific, and it's like, oh, well, that totally makes sense. He's supposed to be the smartest dude on Earth, one of the top three or something. Can you tell me why his shirt says Fair Play? Um, because the Golden Age Mr. Terrific, that was his, like, tagline. Turnabout's like, Fair Play. Like, well, just that fair. everybody should play fairly, and that's why crime's bad, because they're not playing fair. Wow. All right. It's huh. a dated costume. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, love, I love when you love a thing, buddy. Mm, mm. So, um, another big number one this week by a creator that we know and love that generally makes Django do real silly things. You're making me blush just talking about it, Jeff. Um, <laughs> Billionaire Island, oh. number one by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. So, the creative team behind the bulk mm. of uh, Flintstones. Flintstones. It's, yeah, it's the dream team is back together. And uh, they have thrown all subtlety out the window and if if you were curious 
whether or not uh, Steve Pugh and Mark Russell think that billionaires are bad guys, wonder no longer. <laughs> it's it's uh, right here. Um, this basically puts us in a world where billionaires have uh, created an island, like a man-made island that rises with the tide. So they, their beachfront property is always valuable and always beachfront. And uh, moved out to the island, leaving all of the rabble on the mainland. And... It, this is this is less about politics and more just about greed and the way that people use their money in bad ways. Um, it follows a reporter who goes to the island and gets tricked into um, going into a waiting room that turns out to be a cage for people that these rich people don't like. And that cage includes a hamster wheel and a big old dumb hamster drinking fountain. And The shot of a man drinking out of a human-sized gerbil water feeder is <laughs> glub, very good. Glub. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, the, a fan turns on in the ceiling and money rains out of the sky and everybody starts grabbing it. And they're like, why are you doing that? You're prisoners. And they're like, well, they wouldn't give it to us if it wasn't going to be worth something someday. Right. <laughs> Um, and I really liked I really liked just kind of the the commentary on greed there. Um, I I thought it was funny. The art is amazing, as as Steve Pugh just has been. I don't know if you guys know this, but Steve Pugh is one of my one of the first artists that I knew his name um, from his uh, Animal Man run. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I love the art. Too. I'm done talking, <laughs> motherfuckers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love the art too. I mean, it cracked me up when um, the one, the blonde woman here that's held captive when it shows her when she's running in the hamster wheel and she's so determined and so. Oh yeah, yeah, she is. She is going to get that boat. <laughs> yeah, it's. I liked it because I, you know, I like anything he does. Mm -hmm. um, Mark, Steve, Mark, Steve. I like Mark more than Steve. Steve's great as art. Art is great, but. Um, you know, I, I'm always interested to hear what Mark Russell has to say. Yeah, yeah. In anything, this is the most like on the nose thing that he's done, mm -hmm. which isn't isn't a, a problem at all. Um, Snagglepuss was the book that I didn't read or the first two issues of, and it just was like aware enough of things that I was not aware enough of that it yeah. felt like a little inside baseball and something I had no awareness about. So I didn't love that one, and. This one, while being funny, is almost just a little more, like, kind of a bummer to read yeah. than I want. And I'm going to keep reading it because I love him. And he does a funny thing of it, but, like, oh, I don't like thinking about politics that much anymore because it makes me feel so bummed out. I, I definitely trust him. He uh, There's at least five or six issues planned for this, so mm -hmm. we'll get we'll get a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from because it is a little bit, a little bit real. Yeah. Yeah. And not in the kind of the silly way that Prez was real. But it'll be awesome to see hopefully this island culture fall. Mm hmm. And hopefully the rich 1% get their comeuppance. Like I hope, I hope that's the, the trajectory of the, the, the storyline. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want that to sound like I didn't like it because I did, but it, 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 it's like, you know, listening to a podcast with people talking about coronavirus. 
You know, I don't know. Do we need any more of that? Everywhere I go, every day, all the time, I'm just hearing nothing about coronavirus. Now our wonderful listeners are trying to listen to a comic book podcast, and we spent three minutes joking about the old corona bug. Well, you know, it's on people's minds. So is money. Yeah. No, we got to get them to focus on the on the comic of a bug. Exactly. The comic of virus. Exactly. Focus. I give this one an eight. I think it's I think it's solid. Um, I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah, I'll keep go reading. Seven point five. Yeah. Like a, a really good book. Yeah. Um, but I it, might wait a day to read it on some weeks if that makes sense. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would. If you're reading Mark Russell books and you like them, this cool. isn't this isn't gonna bum you out yeah. at yeah. all. Yeah. Same thing. Seven point five. I trust Mark Russell, but yeah, I'm a little like, ugh. It's hard to find the humor in in rich people anymore. <laughs> but if but you if, and I used to love to just like you know watch the Richies walk downtown and pour honey on them and put cornmeal all over them, watch them roll around and honey cornmeal messes on the floor, kick them a little bit. Hey Richie, <laughs> it's not as much fun as it used yeah, to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they're just like you know destroying us all slowly. Yeah, exactly. Day, day by day, they suffer. But suffer. this, but there's a guy. That, there's hope here. Good one, everyone. Good Billionaire Island. Chang, are you all right? Uh, Did Billionaire yeah. Island bring you down a little bit? No, I just I got tired thinking about thinking about honey and cornmeal. Well, yeah, all the blood rushed to my crotch. <laughs> so it's not as funny anymore, but boy, is it erotic to think about those Richies getting covered in stickies. Erotic. erotic. Um, oh, sorry, Roman. Um, Ro- Jango, did you read Marvel number one? No. <laughs> How could you not with this awesome cover? Oh, good one, buddy. Um, I know. I know. Um, I read most of Marvel number one and enjoyed it. For the most part, I certainly enjoyed the framing sequence by Alex Ross. Roman? Can you get can you can you tell our our lovely uh, family out there what Marvel number one is? Yeah, it's the um, it's Alex Ross's a jeez Alex Ross Kurt Busiek's Busiek he Busick. called and told us how to say it. Oh, did he? He said Busiek like you sick. Yeah. Actually, what I was I was right. It was yeah. Alex Ross's original vision for yeah. Marvels, which was his original idea was for it to just be an anthology series with Marvel characters, and he was going to invite artists and writers he respected to like, do whatever they wanted with Marvel characters. So that's what this is. Finally, after like how, whatever, how many years it's been since... 20-ish or something, yeah, right? 20-ish, 25. Yeah, so that's what this is. It's an anthology with a framing device using Nightmare, the old Doctor Strange villain, how he you know invades our dreams and, and uses our, our, the energy of our dreams to try and take over the Earth like he's always trying to do. So I was, that was a new villain for me. Oh. Yeah, he's the original night dream dimension ruler. I really before, like before Morbius. I really like this Spider-Man oh, art. Morpheus, sorry, <laughs> Morbius is the vampire. So yeah, this, there's a framing device about a uh, nightmare that Alex Ross did. That stuff is gorgeous. The yeah. second story was by a writer artist team. I was not familiar with either of them, and I really liked, or maybe he did both. But I really liked the art in it. It was uh, Frank Espinosa wrote it and Sejan Sani. Sani. I love the it. art. It's like really yeah. unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting and fun. I love the story because it focuses on you know Peter Parker's scientific ability and specifically creating his webs and how those work. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's kind of a how did a 16-year-old 
make these webs that are so versatile and everything. So this story explains that. Is it because he's it smart? Because he's super smart. Hey, you like apples? I got her number. How you like them apples? Oh, that's a reference to one of my favorite movies. What what movie is that? Uh, no, it's Clerks. not your fault. It's Clerks? not your fault. Clerks? No, not Clerks. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. Okay. It's not okay. your fault. Okay, I'll, I'm okay. Okay. I'll, I'll go. Oh, I'll, God. I'll Roman's you. mini driver in this, isn't he? Uh, well, technically I would have been Robin Williams and he would have been Matt Damon in that situation, but... Oh, I was just thinking in the shop. Oh. He's definitely the, the, the one I'm after, for sure. Um, the second story, written by Kurt Busick, art by Steve Rude. I didn't read this one. Oh. I love this one. Um, just because I, I love Steve Rude's art. He's like the the coolest, like, Kirby kind of style artist, except except enough of his own thing that it's not... It's inspired by Kirby, but it's really... It's definitely not Kirby. And it's a golden... It's a Silver Age story early in the Avengers, and it's just... It's just cool. What was it about? The Hulk's fighting the Avengers because he's all mad because he was an Avenger for like one issue, the first issue, and then they he took off and had an argument and took off and and they didn't let him back in. So he comes back in this story, all pissed off because they've Rick Jones has joined up with them and that was Hulk's buddy. So he meet, so he attacks them, and then there's this cool thing with I forget uh, the image there's this device Stark created and the Hulk accidentally gets it on his head and it allows him to alter some realities I always kind of shut down when I see frog versions of Thor <laughs> really? and there's like a Hulk version of Thor here that I thought was like frog Thor and I just I don't know I hate to <laughs> yeah, say it that's early, just a early... weird thing that shuts me my brain off no I can understand early Hulk does look froggy <laughs> and you know Throg Simonson's Throg yeah yeah, and I'm just like, what the fuck are we doing to Thor? <laughs> His first appearance isn't worth anything, which always surprises me. Yeah, the end. Yeah, it was just a fun story, a fun early Marvel type story. Um, it, they sure know how to put a lot of words on those pages. Yeah, they do. Just fighting <laughs> the Hulk's great because this is when he was like, oh, not not like the Hulk smash Hulk totally yet. He was still fairly fairly unlike me at the moment, fairly able to like put together sentences and everything. And Did you like the Spider-Man story or the Silver Age Avengers story more? Uh, I love... Uh, I think the Spider-Man story a little more, just mm -hmm. because it would have that scientific angle, and I love it when they explore Peter's scientific smarts. Um, well, so you're excited about this miniseries, this anthology series. Oh, yeah. I mean, this first issue, I enjoyed both stories. The framing device is, the art's beautiful. Oh, I can hear almost a gooey in his It's got mouth. classic Doctor Lee. Look at that next issue. It's got original Black Widow in her original costume. Marvel's second Black Widow, by the way. Did you? Are you giving it a 10? <laughs> I can't give two 10s in a row. Can you, I? You had Billionaire Island, but you gave it 7.5. Oh, that's right. So you could. So they're not rogue. That's good. That's good. You <laughs> fucking coward. <laughs> oh man. Well, that case. Oh, Eric Powell's going to be in the next issue too. That's true. Man, it all deserves a ten. Go. Watch him pound that ground beef. Um, Flame on. Ten on. Uh, and I'll give it a seven point five. I like. I really like. I love that you are excited about it. It is. 
it is a very much a Roman book, and I don't quite have that love of like Silver Age, Golden Age Marvel comics that I think that would allow like you know for the deep yeah. enjoyment of this. Um, but I am excited for it, and my only hang up, which Roman gave me a, a, a talking to about earlier, is just that I am having a really hard time as the person doing the ordering and thinking about who will want all of these different Marvel books. There's Marvel's X, X. There's Marvel's Snapshot. Marvel and the Marvels are all four different, <laughs> entirely different series. Where's the Marvels? What is that? That is um, in previews this month. Oh, okay. Downstairs. And do they all have the same cover style? They're, I mean, similar. They're all Alex Ross covers. Yeah. And they're all like the word Marvel prominently and then a picture behind. Yeah, That's... but also like the Marvel X is hidden in X and then <clears throat> yeah. the Marvels is a different thing. Like, I hate it. It's very confusing from a branding standpoint. Are they I, all yeah. the same setting or any? Are, no. Like, are, they're not related at all? Marvel's X is a prequel to the Earth X trilogy, <sighs> which that one I don't care about. Sure, so call it Marvel's Earth X. Yeah, because Marvel's X yeah, makes Marvel me think mutants. Y. Earth Y. Yeah, it's it's just hard to keep track of, but I am really glad the books exist because I do think that the prop like Mar- Marvel's the property is an incredible, beautiful thing, and I do mm-hmm. think it's a high watermark in terms of Marvel's publication history. So I think it's it's really cool that it, that they're coming out, but I wish it was a little easier to track in my brain. Yeah. Well, listen, we got a quick seven forty eight out of that. Yeah, a quick one. Um, did you guys read King of Nowhere? I did. I couldn't get anywhere with it. Oh <laughs> my guy, Ro, my man, stop. <laughs> Ro uh, Braydan, stop. <laughs> Ro Braydan, stop. Um, King of Nowhere by W. Maxwell Prince, art by Tyler Jenkins, colors by Hillary Jenkins. So that's the artist from Grass Kings, which yep. we all love, and then the writer for Ice Cream Man. Yep, which we all love. And the colorist from Grass Kings and Snowblind. Yes. Which, which was Tyler Jenkins also, and also a very good comic that nobody yeah. ever believes me about. Well, two of us loved it. I read it. You read it? Yeah. Yeah, we I loved it. because you told me. We loved it. Gosh. He'll just read anything you tell him to. Yeah, he reads comics, man. <laughs> now, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Django, because this is as dream logic as a book could get. Uh, the protagonist thought it was a dream the whole time, and you historically aren't a huge fan of dream logic. Do you know Kip Adada? No. He has a song called Wet Dream, and it's just like six and a half minutes of fish puns. Mm. And he's like, you know, my car broke down, so I took it in. They said, yeah, it looks like, I, it looks like you blew puns. a seal. Absolutely. And I said, just fix the damn thing and leave my private life out of it, okay, pal? Yeah. This book made me think of that over and over and over, because it's a dude walking into a bar with what seems like could be a bunch of puns. And they're not, and they're fish people, and there's like an octopus dude who's got six arms and two legs, and the guy thinks that maybe he's hit his head or he's having a hallucination throughout the whole thing, and you know what what we kind of know is that he's probably not, and he's in a real world, and that's that right there, Jeff, is the difference for me. Okay, is that you kind of know from the start that he's not dreaming this. Mm-hmm. He's just in a crazy situation. And all of these wacky characters, like the dude whose face is upside down, um, is a real person that he's talking to. And uh, I really liked where he's like, hey, your face is upside down. He's like, well, you know, what if I'm the only one who's got a face that's right side up and everybody else's is upside down? Um, 
I enjoyed the characters. I was really worried going into this that I would have a hard time putting W. Maxwell Prince's writing with, like, really tight writing from everything of his that I've read, pairing it with Tyler Jenkins' kind of loose style and Mm -hmm. Hillary Jenkins' super watercolory sort of everything bleeding into things colors. Um, I wasn't sure how those would work together, but as I went through it, I, I think it worked really well. I don't know that I would want this to be my first exposure to W. Maxwell Prince mm-hmm. because I don't think that it's quite as compelling as Ice Cream Man, although what is? Um, and I would be curious to see the Ice Cream Man artist on this book. Yeah. Just to see what the difference in interpretations would be. Roman, what did you think of this? I dug it. Um, I really like I mean, this, this crazy world, and I love... There wasn't too many of them, but I like the puns. Um, the fish guy, Jed, when when he says, I've got kind of an upstream night ahead of me. Yeah. I really like that. was a very fishy thing to say. <laughs> um, I liked that character the most out of it, the fish yeah. Jed guy. The dude, the octopus guy's name is Cullen. Do you think that's a Cullen Bun joke? Because so. he's writing did occur, six comics at a time. It, I did six? Why stop at six? Dude's writing 10, 12 comics in a month. He's only got six arms, man. Oh, Colin. Well, yeah. I mean, Colin. Yeah. Okay. Doctopuses have six arms. Only six arms. And two legs or eight arms. Six arms and two legs. Oh, I didn't. Th- I didn't count the legs. Okay. Nobody ever does. No. Same thing with Spider-Man when he's got those extra t- four arms. Yeah. Two, oh. four, six. <laughs> I like the art. I'm not a huge fan of that type of story. The sort of like. I guess maybe I, I, I like dream logic almost more when it's like in a dream, whereas like I just finished reading like a velvet glove cast in iron yeah. and that's Daniel Klaus and that had a, a kind of similar tone of just like guy going through this nightmarish town and I don't, I just don't, I don't know what the point is and I bet we'll get there and I bet it'll be good. I, I, I like this writer so I do trust where he's going but I, I could also, it'll depend on the week of comics when the next week issue comes out, whether or not I read it. Wow. Because, um, like, it is pretty, but I do just question how much I care. I, I, no, that, I, I see what you're saying, because, yeah, I don't, I think it's fun. I'm curious about the weirdness of this version of reality or non-reality or whatever, but, yeah, I, I, I I hadn't thought about it until you said that, but yeah, I don't really care the about any of the characters, not very <laughs> even the main guy. I like the fish head, and I like that he cared about the fish head. Like the yeah. fact that there's a guy with a nail gun at the end hunting him down. Like that's maybe the most interesting part to me. But I don't know. It, I think it's all executed really well, and I think that if you do like a, a sort of a surrealist story like this, then then it probably I think it, it could be very very good in that regard. But just right now in my life, I'm not sure if um, that is a thing that piques my interest. Yeah, I didn't like that the nail gun guy, what he does, because I like that the deer guy. Yeah, it reminded <laughs> me of Sweet Tooth and No Country for Old Men. No, I never read Sweet Tooth. You know, you should read Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth is real good. Okay, did you see that? He'll now he's going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that being said, I, I would still give it uh, 6.5. Like, I think it's really pretty. I'd give it a 7.5. Just, 
I'm, I'm curious about what's going to happen to these people. I don't really care about anything, anybody other than Jed, the fish guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, I really liked when he said, uh, hey, the, the fish guy says, hey, I don't suppose you could get me a drink. I get real thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> like he drinks like a fish, which I thought was yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like the idea that the nail gun guy is showing his picture around and nobody sees him because the... The guy that he kills in the end, I think, did see him earlier right. in the issue, and he d- he says he didn't see him, right. and it doesn't seem like duplicitous or anything. So, I'm curious to see what's going on there, and if it all turns out to be a, little, uh, a big dream, I'm going to be bummed because I only like dream sequences in Ice Cream Man. Yeah, and Ice Cream Man is amazing, and they're all great one shots, but it also has made me hungry for like what is going on here. Mm-hmm. And we haven't gotten that, and I'm not. I'm getting. I'm not getting that out of here. Yeah. I hope that W. Maxwell Prince can, you know, have some substance beneath the incredible, gorgeous rapping that he's got. And yeah. maybe Ice Cream Man doesn't ever need that. But I also, it seems on the cusp of having a really cool answer he's about to give me. Well, that's that's what makes me wonder what it would be like with a different illustrator. Because as much as I like Tyler Jenkins, I'm not sure that he's the match I would expect out of this book. Yeah. But uh, that said, I enjoyed it, and uh, I don't care what's coming out next time it comes out. I'm going to read yeah. the next issue. Yeah, I dig it. Roman, Excellent. What do you get? Oh, uh, I'll give it a solid eight. Nice. Yeah. The highest of all three of us. I love this cover. It's a good look, cover. Look, look at the, the road. is water right there. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jango, you're the only one that read Batman 90. I did, and this was probably my favorite issue of the run so far. And we sold out of it is the only reason I didn't read it. There is one on the shelf, and it's in your hot little hands right now. I know. I'll let you borrow mine. I took a damage home. The art in this one is real nice. The um, art is great. This gives us uh, kind of a first real encounter with the designer. It sends uh, it's it's Catwoman telling Batman about the first time she met him. Um, and it's her, the Joker, the Penguin, and the Riddler going to his house. And he says, look, I used to have an enemy. Uh, every time I got better at making something for his for, for him to solve, um, he, was a t- he was a detective, and he would get twice as good as I had in order to defeat me. And so I realized that I couldn't just keep getting better. I had to get all the way perfect in order to beat him and so like i brought my skills up by a magnitude of 10 and i want to help you guys all do the same thing and uh so like he he meets with each one of them and uh the deal goes south when he can't quite crack the joker um i thought the art was amazing i thought that the mystery they set up with the designer was much more interesting than anything else that i've seen in the batman series so far i like the discussion with batman and catwoman um it, this this gives us an almost believable reason that Harley Quinn would be hanging out with, like, as a, as a sidekick for Bruce. Um, and I would just say that it's a, you know, this, this is what I had kind of hoped the follow-up to Tom King's Batman would be, is, is a book like this. Yeah, I, it's definitely the most gorgeous of the five issues. Mm-hmm. Five issues, three different artists. Yeah. <clears throat> which is... Fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. um, It seems like a weird setup to have gotten to this spot. Like, it feels like they could have done that in two issues, and we could have just maybe gotten to this, because that villain is interesting. Well, we wouldn't have the Deathstroke fans on board if they'd done that. That's true. Or the drastic Harley Quinn fans, even though she's in this issue. But I I like... uh... 
I like the way this went. One thing that it did make me wish for while I was reading it was a rule that, uh, I guess, like a Batman life story, kind of like the Spider-Man life story, but one that gives us an excuse for him to change all his shit once a once a year. You know, like give him give him a thirty-year run from becoming Batman in year one to dying at the end of uh, Dark Knight Returns and give us a new costume at the end of every year, maybe on the anniversary of his parents' death, so we get all those costumes and we get real-life consequences. Because Harley Quinn being a mass murderer and uh, Selina being uh, an incorrigible thief and also being Batman's friends, I think, have kind of tainted Batman for me. He's He's not the paragon of good that he set out to be associating with these killers and thieves. Um, and I'd like to see more realistic, either uh, like psychological fallout or, you know, character, character devolution in him. Yeah. I mean, I, and I have less of an issue with that about like Catwoman, but Harley yeah. Quinn for sure. Yeah. You know, cause even in like year one, there's a connection yeah. written between the two of them. Oh yeah. And I, I, I like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she's she's playful, but she also, you know, has stolen a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. and he wouldn't put up with that from anybody. Right. No. no unless a, unless they give him a bony. Yeah, and Catwoman, as far as anybody knows, isn't a killer. Right. So, the Batman Catwoman thing—that's just a kind of classic, like, like the spirit and Pigel or whoever it was. Two it was always, really yeah. hot people at the peak of their game having some tension. Scully and Mulder. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, what do you give Batman ninety? Gosh, I would give that single issue. I think I'd give it an eight. I felt an eight vibe coming. Like the from art me. is solid and the story's Jorge really good. Jimenez fucking love this artist. Who's coloring it? Because the colors are That's amazing. That's a good question. Um, oh, it's Timu Mori. Of course. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. Good stuff. And guess what? What? Sold out. Can't get it. Sorry, folks. Yeah. <laughs> because Punchline was in the last issue. <clears throat> was she in this at all? No, nope. but this is... So, can I give you my theory on Punchline? Sure. This, issue 89, mm-hmm. last issue, is really hot right now because she was first first appeared in there. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to drop off the face of the earth, and I think that the designer is going to be the one that has the staying power. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be his first appearance, and this is his origin, or his, like, I the first time he really... jaw, like, two issues ago. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah, but this is the first time that we really get any meat on that guy. Yeah. So, yeah, this is his Hulk 181. I don't know that... I mean, the most apt comparison was one that Brian Hibbs drew, which is like Punchline and the designer are going to be just like Joker's daughter, which for six months was a $100 book, and then you can't get $2 for it now. Um, And that's just the way of the game. Bingo. Bingo. uh, Unless you're really good at it, maybe collecting money, current comics, just to be able to resell them is not super tenable. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, hard to predict. I read Outer Darkness 2 number one by John Lehman, art by Afu Chan and Rob Guillory. Guillory. Artist Rob. Um, Sorry, I said you flipped over the page with Shelvis. Yeah. <laughs> just cracks me up. <laughs> um, this has a long write-up at the end and it kind of talks about John Lehman did chew forever. It's like a hugely popular comic book. I've never finished it. Me neither. Um, Me neither. <laughs> I did like the first couple of trades, which is what I read. 
and he said that he wanted to finish that series and before he even started after darkness like this crossover came to him as a way of being the final tony chu story and um so that's why i didn't read it because i hadn't finished chu and i didn't want i didn't want an epilogue well it's not necessarily an epilogue well not yet it's oh i mean you read it did you read no you didn't didn't read read this they just pluck them out of like the random moment oh, okay. in chew yeah. time, so okay. it's you know could be twenty or forty issues in or something, but it doesn't doesn't oh, cool. spoil a bunch of chew stuff. And I, yeah, and I love that note on the first panel, yeah, just because it's it's so goofy. Well, this, I guess it does say after yeah, chew. The story takes place during season one of Outer Darkness, sometime between issues six and ten. It also takes place after chew sixty, but also during chew eighteen. Nice. <laughs> so, like, Chew was a humor book, and that speaks to it there. Whereas, Outer Darkness is supposed to be like a sci-fi horror book, but it also has some kind of comical uh, points to it. Uh, I am glad to be getting Outer Darkness comics because I don't know how long until we get the next sort of season of it, as he's referring to them as. Um, I. This takes place, yeah, like Roman just said, between issues six and ten of Outer Darkness. I wish that it took place after issue ten, like, and was <laughs> in the moment of Outer Darkness where we left Outer Darkness because I want to see that book go forward. I don't necessarily want to go backwards. So yeah. I'm like, I love that book, and it's one of my favorite things coming out. So, um, but it's great to have Afu Chan's art. I love that a ton. I really liked Rob Gilroy's art in Chew. He's also doing Farmhand, which he's, is awesome. He's doing Farmhand, but I also don't know how much I want to read a book with his art in it right now. Really? It's funny, but I don't know. It's it's a very different tone. It's definitely like a humor tone, and I guess I don't read a lot of humor books. Like, yeah. Um, and I'm just like so in love with the Afu Chan Outer Darkness art that didn't have the like couple pages of Chew in the middle was like oh, right that's that book that I didn't finish and and not a complaint like Rob Gilroy is is awesome and he's like I was really into that art when I was really getting into comics because it's not quite like anything it's such a unique tone yeah and I think that he added most of the humor yeah you know, like farmhand reads a lot like chew in the in the humor side of things um just as far as background jokes and things like that go so i think he is the the funnier of the two right so you know it's it's better than no outer darkness but i would rather have just outer darkness than this roman what did you think um I enjoyed it. I thought, you know, and not saying you didn't, but um, I thought the art transitions actually kind of flowed pretty well. Yeah, thought, it did thought, flow really well. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was kind of they were kind of complementary, and I even love the fact that they acknowledge that in the book when the two characters from Chu are transported from their time, which is the past, from the the outer darkness people's perspective, into the outer darkness ship. One of the guys even says. Uh, the fuck where are we and why do we look like this because right. <laughs> to acknowledge the art change <laughs> um, yeah and I'm not familiar very other than the basic premise I'm not familiar with Chu at all uh, I guess I I wish like Jango said I kind of wish I'd read it all I wish so, I'd read it all but 
but you know, I'm going to stick with this. I'm curious what the heck's going on and why the the main character of Chu is so important to whatever's going on here on the ship now of our Outer Darkness. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of the, the plot of it is like on the Outer Darkness ship, they are trying to speak to this race of aliens that are Chibopaths in the same way that Tony Chu is Chibopaths and is, is a Chibopath and they don't know how to satiate or feed or get along with these aliens. Maybe we should say what a, for people who haven't read oh, yeah. Chu, what a Chibopath is. Yeah, what's the definition for it? Um, I'm looking for it now. He's got it in there a couple I was hoping times, you would right? know it off the, on top well, of your head. It, it's basically that anything that he tastes, he can tell how it died or how it lived. Mm. So, like, what chemicals or what things went into vegetables. And But if he eats any meat, he, like, experiences the death of that thing. And it's a real bummer. But it also leads <laughs> to a lot of pretty funny stuff. And it's why he works for, basically, the like that world's FBI, because he can take a bite out of a dead body and solve the crime, and which is hilarious. The only thing that doesn't make him feel that way is our beats. Yeah, you and, you and me and him, buddy. <laughs> yeah, because I love beats. That's just Django. And, and yeah, there's like this crazy robot chicken pollo in Chew, and at one point something crazy happens. I'm like, where is Pollo? And it cuts to this giant double-page spread, which is what Roman laughed at of crustacean king combat of Shelvis versus Poyo, the blue suede bottom feeder versus vitriol in Vegas, and you know, that was pretty rad. Um, but yeah, I, I I did like it. But I I think I would rather have either Chu or Outer Darkness than the two of them together. So I'm going to need two different scores from you. I'm going to need a score as you read it today, uh-huh. and it's part one of Three or six or yeah, four or yeah, something, something, right? So a score as 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 you feel it right this minute, and then I want you to predict what score you would give it if it had come out after Outer Darkness wrapped up. I would give it, I think, like a seven point five or an eight. Like mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I love Afu Chan's art. It didn't have the classic stank of. Outer Darkness quite as much. The other question here has if, if Outer Darkness had finished and the whole series was over. Because part of part of I think the frustration here is that it's not advancing the Outer Darkness story, but if you could just go back and after it's all done, if you could go back and hang out with or if Mulder Chew and Scully a little longer. comic book and I had gone oh, through yeah. a couple years without getting to see that character, <laughs> like, and that's what I was coming to this, yeah. it might be really, really awesome. So I guess in that camp, I guess that there's probably... You know, if if it came out after both of these, or if Chew is your thing, I bet it's a higher score, eight point five yeah. or something. But Roman, would you give it? Yeah, um, I get a seven point five, maybe an eight. Um, it's got a great cover on the cover A. Because um, yeah, I mean, it did. It was I was aware that it wasn't the horror story that Outer Darkness is, and that was kind of strange because mm-hmm. you know we're used to just straight horror from that. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the humor of it. Curious what the mi- where the mystery goes. Yeah. Um, None of those were a number. <laughs> oh, I didn't give a number? Yeah, I did at the beginning. Uh, I, I think I said 7.5 or 8. Okay. Yeah. Um, Though I don't know how to answer your the second. You want two scores. Oh, that was mostly for Jeff, but if, oh, you, okay. if you had an idea for it. I, I, I don't because I'm still trying to understand the question. But, Romo, <laughs> I think what you said is really accurate. Like, that... It was more to the point of what I was trying to say of, like, there's a real tone to Outer Darkness. Yeah. And while we're on that ship with the same art, it's a different tone. So it didn't quite feel like Outer Darkness, and it didn't feel like Chew. 
and while it was clearly John Lehman and had elements of both, it, yeah, it just had this weird, like, I wasn't quite in any of the camps. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, because I'd actually forgotten until this issue that John Lehman wrote both. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm curious to see, maybe he'll add that horror element in somehow. I'm Unlike his other Chew crossover. Which was... Yeah, what... Just it was a the, second, the, it the was Tim Seeley book. Revival? Revival. Yeah. yeah. That crossed over with Chew. It did. Yeah, and I don't think that they had to pluck him out of anything. It's just like, oh, yeah, this happened in both universes. Huh. Like, it there's, there's civil paths and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, pluck, was that a Pollo joke? It is now. Yeah. <laughs> Roma man. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Um, Django, we got a little Django feature here at the end of this podcast, and then we're going to do a little a quick Q&A oh, wow. specifically with you, oh. but will you boys, Roman, did you read Spider-Man Noir? I did not. Noir. Um, Django, sell some noir. copies of Spider-Man Noir. Dude, it was, it, it is good. So the art is so much better than you would expect a little five-issue miniseries of a Spider-Man book in. I didn't read it, but the art blew me away. I read that uh, Ben Grimm noir mm -hmm. from last week mm -hmm. and wasn't super into it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was light on the noir. Mm -hmm. um, listening to you guys talk about it, I am really glad that everybody liked it so much. This one got me in all the places that that Ben Grimm got. Mm. Roman. Cool. Um, it's got some amazing art that's largely black and white or like mostly monochromatic but there's splashes of red and, and color every once in a while but the art is super moody um the that's story cool. basically follows spider-man noir through um a mystery involving a dame and you know murder and it's it's just it hits all of the classic crime story beats without being super predictable like you know where it's headed but you don't know how they're going to get anywhere yeah. uh, which is i think one of the problems when you lean too hard on crime tropes um like at this point i've read hundreds of crime stories and watched hundreds of crime movies and i i know i know what you're going to say next and i know you're going to get your nose broken in this scene or the next scene um but this one didn't i didn't feel like that and there are some panels in here that are masterful. There's a nod to Indiana Jones at the very end when they're on the map. Um, and also worth mentioning, this is written by Margaret Stoll with art by Juan Ferreira. Um, and Juan Ferreira, I will read anything this guy does. I would love to see him do The Shadow. Yeah, I do remember trying to pronounce that last name on this podcast before. So we've, okay. we've I can't remember what else he's done, but the art is truly spectacular. This one really is more, like, is a noir story. Yeah. Whereas I think Fantastic Four Grim Noir was more of a play on words, like Grim yeah. Grim Grim Oh, Grimoire. Oh. And Despair. Something. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, it definitely was a different thing, whereas this is clearly a noir story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, my man, Stott. Um, <laughs> yeah, read this. Wow. It, it looks it looks really incredible. I think you'll really enjoy it, Roman. I think you'll enjoy it too, Jeff. Although, like the art alone is worth the price of entry. Yeah, the story is good. Yeah, it, I would great. say the art is better. Um, and it's going to be a five issue series. How cool that it's mostly monochromatic, like you said. But when he gets his spider sense, like a oh, red color comes around his head, which. That jumps out at you. And I am that just... And a, is there a girl, like a red-haired person in Yeah, here? there's a red-haired woman. Red, red stands out in it, oh, which yeah. is like a classic. I am just such a sucker for something monochromatic like that. One of my very favorite shadow issues is colored in that way. And it, it just... It's the annual number two. I'll show you sometime. 
I'll show you when we read it for our podcast. There's some coffee cool and cowls comic book uh, coming out. It's a collection of an older book. It was in previews today as I was doing our auto subs, and it is written and drawn by Kyle Baker and something else. Is it Justice Inc.? No. Oh. Is it the Cowboy Wally Show? No. Is it um, Why I Hate Saturn? No. Is it uh, The Bakers? No. Plastic Man? Yeah. Okay. It's that was pretty good. Plastic Man collection. Yeah, I knew we'd get there. Yeah, that was <laughs> I impressive. Knew we'd get there. Uh, what do you give Spider-Man Law? Uh, I would give the art a nine and a half or a ten. I would give the story a six and a half or a seven. So I don't know. Take take those for what they're worth. Take me briefly to join the future. Join you and the future, and then let's get to a, a question we've got from one of our wonderful family members. So join the future is like the the opening is just this pitch to come live in this amazing city where everybody's healthy and enjoying life, and they're all rich and then it kind of abruptly cuts with like uh, the the word that i thought when i turned the page to the title page was oh <laughs> cinematic <laughs> uh and then i quickly turned the page and found that we were in like this kind of midwest wasteland like not not wasteland because there's there's game and stuff but it's just kind of people living like they're in the late 1800s in the wild west but in the backdrop of that, there is this beautiful city. And so the protagonists are the children of this man who does not want to join the city. And as we go through the story, it's like it's this whole town is not joining the city. And the city is coming and saying, you guys should join. And there are dire consequences when they don't. Um, it's just a, an interesting kind of us versus them sort of of uh, story with a lot of things taken to the very, very far edges of, of that concept. Roman, you read this one also? I did. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, and I really like Peter Kowalski's art. And Zach Kaplan did Eclipse, which like I really liked. Relay? And Relay, which I, I think. Yeah, and yeah. he did Port of Earth, which I didn't like as much as the others, but I like the concept the quite a the bit. The cover of this looks almost exactly like the cover of Relay, and I thought this was maybe a sequel oh, series okay. to it. Mm. Yeah, and there and there's um, just they're off. Is this in the future in the city? There are all these mega cities, which of course brings up Judge Dredd, but. Um, Obviously, it, it, everything in the city—it's it, too good to be true. There's, I mean, it's like being around you, Roman. Cancers are oh, thanks, and cancers are cured. Dicks are giant. Everything's are fine, and and the uh, <laughs> the people out are trying to live out in the woods. So it's funny that they, the the mayor, the main character, he makes a point about oh, we don't use technology and stuff. And I was thinking, but your gun is technology. I mean, it's a machine. It's That's got true. it's got moving parts. Listen, hole poker. <laughs> hole po what? You're poking holes. Oh, listen, buddy. Uh, there's no reason pooping all over the party if everyone's having a good time. So but, if everyone's having a good okay, time, okay, there's no okay, okay. But the party. yeah, it's got a shock. People aren't having a good time. It's well, got a shocking ending. Party. It's got a shocking ending. I'm curious to see where this all goes. I thought you said shotgun ending. I was hoping you're going to get the Letterkenny reference. Oh, I, I've. I wasn't. He, I, he, I would expect Django. I've only. Seen I was. Like, I was doing it. I for saw Django. half an episode. <laughs> Let me down, Django. Uh, sorry, bud. Turns out the city's like... I wish you weren't so awkward, bud. <laughs> <laughs> the city's doing uh, genetically modified animals that they just dump out in the woods, and they cause problems for these folks trying to live naturally. And The genetically modified animals is a really good segue to our next segment. Is it all right if I get scores from you guys? Yes, or yes. Is that is that rushing any other thoughts? 7.5. 
Gonna read the next I, one. Rome Stodd Millionaire. I'll give it a seven point five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm really glad that. Uh, this wave of aftershock that we're experiencing right now has been like a number one every single week for the last month, and I've I've thought that three out of the four have been better than normal comics. There's an aftershock joke in there. Wave aftershock. This wave of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. What's our new segment, Jeff? Yeah. Um, listen, asshole. This whole closeout of the podcast is all Django centered. So oh, we just did two no. Django books. I've got an email here that says, "Hey, Papcast, here's a joke I know Django will like." Who's this from? I think you know who it's Dino. From. Yeah, Dino. <laughs> Rocket Raccoon, which is the segue of the cybernetic animal. Rocket okay. Raccoon. And a rabbit meet in the woods. Rocket Raccoon asks the rabbit, "When you poop, do you have trouble getting it in your fur?" The rabbit replies, no, why? Rocket stays, says, great, grabs the rabbit and wipes his ass with it. <laughs> Just <laughs> rattles him around in there. <laughs> um, so, you, did, did we tell the other rabbit joke on the podcast? Is that why, why don't you, bud? <laughs> why don't you, no? Well, I don't want to waste your time, Oh, Jeff. bud, get it out there. Get it out there. A uh, priest, a rabbit, and a Buddhist monk walk into a bar. And the rabbit says, I think I'm a typo. That's for you, Dino. <laughs> I really like that as well. So let's be fair. I like the way it made you laugh on our trip down to Comics Pro. It made me laugh real good. <laughs> it made me laugh real good in the car. This next question is from Wynn. Uh, Wynn, thank you very much. Wait, Wynn wrote in? <laughs> Wynn wrote in. Nice. Very good. Um, who Wynn wrote in uh, a while ago. And, and when Wynn wrote in. And I said some nice things, but then Wynn came into the store and chastised me for saying a nice thing. Uh, and, and then when we answered another question from Wynn... They had said something to the effect of, like, I'm not sure why Jeff felt weird about saying nice things. It's because you chastised me. <laughs> so when Wynn wrote in, when and Wynn came in, in. And Wynn came in. Anyway, let's get out of that <laughs> horrible gravitational well that Django created. Well, um, it's called the Wynn well. Has anyone read Eve of Extinction from TKO? Am I the only one who keeps misreading the publisher name as TKD? Uh, I finally finished <laughs> Eve of Extinction today, and I can't decide if I love this or Sarah more. Would love to hear anyone's thoughts on this gender-divided apocalypse. It felt very Why the Last Man, Volume 1, with a dash of 28 days or weeks later. If TKO ever puts out more of it, I'd line up immediately for it, or anything anywhere from this creative team. Also, any general thoughts about the other TKO titles? I really enjoyed Sentient and The Banks. Uh, Sarah, again, was just gorgeous and some very good Ennis. What have y'all read and thought about these new kids on the block? Django had previously mentioned the bingeability and options for format, singles versus trades. As always, bringing home the winner, winner, chicken dinner. P.S. Okay. Jeff, congrats on your king cake, baby. P.P.S. Hope <laughs> Jeff and Django had a great time in Portland. Win, thanks so much for writing in. I haven't read any of the TKO stuff, and I will explain that quickly. Yesterday, we got in the collection of most of the Mike Carey X-Men run, which based on our previous podcasts, I was saying, seems like it's a big thing that it supports a lot of what's going on in the Hickman X-Men run. Mm -hmm. And I, w I felt so excited and good to be starting a book that had the end in my hand as well. Oh, like, it's, it's an amazing thing to have a beginning, middle, and end in your hand. Yeah, and and I can't, and that sounds probably weird to anyone listening to this, but we read 20-ish issues a week, 
every week because mm-hmm. they never stop, and that's amazing. But it, it creates a really weird feeling of like never having like a resolution or an ending, and it does a weird thing to you. And so I'm really excited to have a book that has an ending in it. But it also is a little intimidating because there's a lot of issues there. Mm-hmm. And when you read as many single issues as we do or any big weekly comic book fan does, uh, it's hard. Like, you, you got to make time for it. And time is not a hu- like a thing we have a huge abundance of here in this store. So all that to say, I haven't checked out the TKO books because I think it's really cool, the formatting exploration that they're doing. Yeah. But that actually is kind of a barrier for me because my life is kind of divided into 20-minute chunks where I can read a single issue. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes it really difficult to sit down with a thing that's larger than an issue. It, without me sort of... I have a stack of those things at my house that I want to get to, and they just get a little bit further and further away every day. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, Django, I think it's really awesome. You make a, a more of a point to, like, read collections of things. And, Roman, you do as well, actually. Yeah, in a pretty, But you've been doing this for almost 36 yeah. years, so, like, you're better but at I've time But I've fallen management. down on the job. You know, I haven't read any of the TKO stuff. Roman Statler with a book in his hand. The one that sounds really good to me is Goodnight Paradise. I really like Goodnight Paradise. I really want to read that one. So, yeah, okay. So, when first of all, you are on the nose with the font that they chose for their logo. Uh, it looks like TKD to mm-hmm. me also. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a, a strange production method where they release all six issues in an oversized slipcase for $30 on the same day that they release the series in a $20 trade paperback. Um, I took a chance on, I think, Sarah first, because it's Garth Ennis, and I love his war stories. And I took the slipcase home and read it and was blown away that I liked these weirdly sized issues as much as I did, because they don't fit in any box I've got. They have to sit on the bookshelf. Yeah, they're too tall. Yeah, they're just oversized comics. They're, They're the right aspect ratio, but they're big. But holding the comics in your hands, the colors are rich, the paper's great. Um... I'm I'm totally sold on the format. Um, the other thing, and Jeff, this goes uh, kind of as a rebuttal to what you were saying, is argue that with me, friend. I don't want to argue with you. I just want to let you know that every one of the TKO books that I've read is a self-contained story. So you don't you do have a beginning, middle, and end. It is a six-issue arc, but it's not as intimidating as you know even. Batman Incorporated Volume 1 or whatever. Well, no, what I mean is, like, I love that those have the beginning, middle, and end. It's just finding the time. And, yeah, and as yeah. much of a joy as it, like, it is so good to feel that, but it just goes through my brain in a different way. I like, I, I have totally to set it aside more time, and Django spent, like, an hour today trying to coach me through time management stuff. So, yeah, like, I felt I'm just, weird after, the, after you left. No, I really appreciate it. Like, I mean, but it is like a thing that I'm working really hard at right now is like how I time management because there's a lot of things that we do here at the store, and reading comics is one of our favorite things. And even being at the store eats a lot of our reading comic time, which it seems counterintuitive. But. Yeah, and it was weird that it took me an hour just to say, when you're shit and read a comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did spend a lot of time getting to that point. Now, listen, um, I got a place I set it on the sink. Have you read Eve of Extinction? I have not read Eve of Extinction. I've read Sarah, which was great. I read Sentient by Jeff Lemire, which was also great. And, and uh, Gabrielle Walta. Mm-hmm. Holy, and wait, Sarah was the Garth Ennis one. Sarah was Garth Ennis and Steve Epting. 
okay. war story. Sentient is uh, an AI raising kids in space by Jeff Lemire. So it's like sad Canadian kids walking through the snow, but it's sad, lonely kids in space. And then uh, Goodnight Paradise, which is crime noir set in the... Uh, Set in the homeless community of Venice Beach, so there are a lot of different reasons you might not be getting reality or the truth from people when you're interviewing them. Um, and that one is is great. Also, Josh Dysert, and uh, I don't remember the the artist, but the art is amazing and perfectly saturated with color. Um, just a couple days ago, I was looking at the TKO shelf and thinking, I need to read more of these. I think now that now that uh, Win says. Eve of Extinction is good. I'll take that home. I'll probably also take home the um, the Pound seven f- Dragon one. Like, I don't care about that one. Yeah. It it's it's yeah like the Seven Sins of Doctor Doctor Fang or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and I don't mean to to the, the Seven Deadly Sins and the Fearsome Doctor Fang. Both of those are kind of genres that don't grab yeah. me. Although What's I like the, the green art. one. The green one is the Banks, which I think is probably a bank robber story. Is my guess. Okay. Um, pound for Pound just has like this really cool luchador, like a pink yeah. cover with a luchador. Their branding is on point, other their, than that D that looks their like Their branding is on point. Here's the thing that would also help me get, or like read it. If I could get it through Diamond, or not ordering directly through them, like you ordered the first batch of them. So it's like... I've ordered four batches right, or five batches right. from them. Which means it's completely off my radar. Oh, yeah. If I'm not aware of how it's selling or... If it comes in on a day you're not working. Yeah, or if I'm not placing the order and it lives on its own shelf, I'm kind of blind to it. I got a solution. Genres. No, I was just going to let you uh, take over the ordering. I would love to. (laughs) I would be happy to. But You're you're welcome to. It's not interesting. But I've just sort of forgotten about it entirely like it all kind of happens outside of my purview so well and what i really like about what they're doing is that it's something that nobody else is doing kind of like bad idea and like pause what pause i just said purview and roman purview purview are you looking at my junk there's there's just like Roman's purview is got to be a thing. It's got to exist somewhere, right? Like it's it's like uh, Peter Parker's spidey sense. Roman's purview. Roman's purview. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be your Huckleberry. Oh, oh, my Huckleberry! I still don't get it. He just brought it right back around. Right back around. <laughs> yeah. But I did interrupt you, and I'm sorry. Um, I just like that they're they're trying a different um, release and distribution model in a lot of places because. The idea of a graphic novel turns me off. I will probably not take home your 80-page graphic novel. I will take home your six issues that you released on the same day that are exactly just a graphic novel <laughs> split up into six issues because my brain is broke right. like that. <laughs> well, even in, my, in describing it, I was sort of thinking like these full stories they release as a slipcase of issues or the paperback. And even as I was talking about it, it is easier for me because like i started reading that x-men thing and i read an issue and i got to the end of that issue and stopped and i like that tko is releasing graphic novels that have six chapters they know we each have a different fetishistic way of collecting comic but if it doesn't have those issue divides in it it's real that's one of the reasons i have a hard time with novels if they're long chapters Mm -hmm. like i don't want to read if i know i can't get to the end of a chapter i don't want to start a book in the middle of a chapter well don't don't the slipcase editions aren't those the six individual issues just in a slipcase yeah Yeah. and i'll I'll, you still have the chapter yeah yeah and i'll loan those to you buddy divided into those chapters Mm -hmm. as well so it is even it it is it's just a a hurdle you got to get over if you want to read it yeah but also like they're good and they're probably uh i would say in the top 
like they're better than 60 or 70 percent of the stuff that's out there in in my experience but uh there's a lot out there yeah and you read a lot of it and you don't only read the good stuff like yeah. you read some stuff that you don't like a whole lot and that's admirable and important to what we do and i've been reading trade paperbacks but from different eras yeah like i did just finish that daniel Klaus book like i have been reading a harvey Pekar book mm-hmm. i've been reading a jason book oh but, nice. um no which one which one it's a hard life if you pay for it. it oh the seth one oh, seth sorry seth, jason yeah. and seth both two creators yeah. who go by their their first name but seth yeah it's it's a it's a good life if you don't weaken yeah and i'm halfway okay. through that one so i've like, been saying that for years i'm going i'm i'm trying to do a back catalog dive of like single writer artist cartoonists um yeah it's just it's a really interesting privileged position to be in <laughs> yeah we have somehow removed the monetary aspect of deciding what we read from our lives. And, and it's fucking buck wild out here, guys. It's, it is. Out the, it's the wild west of comic book reading and time consumption. If I could read comics and watch The Outsider and watch Hunters and Price Comics and poop and eat waffles all at the same time it's like those i'd be uh, doing it <laughs> it's like those stories you read about how all these people are like losing interest in having sex because there's so much porn out there oh yeah it's like how do i learn to care about a comic book that's not great if i didn't pay the five dollars for it to make me read it i don't know there's something to that and that's it's kind of like what uh, our buddy philip sablick was saying at the comics pro when you go to the grocery store and there are 40 kinds of barbecue sauce you leave without barbecue sauce and when you go to trader joe's and there's two kinds of barbecue sauce you leave with a barbecue sauce yeah it's spicy uh, or mild yeah and if if you know if you have the constraint of a budget you're a little more selective and probably more excited about everything that you read we we have to kind of become scientists at some point when we're reading we do and that's fine we have roman phd in comic consumption over here who reads graphic novels novels and as many weekly comics as us and i think it's fucking beautiful (laughs) and your enthusiasm for it is incredible um Every time I'm like, oh, God, is this? am I reading a comic for a chore? Because I like to do it. I think about Roman, who's just at home, probably by candlelight, eating Cheetos and reading, <laughs> you know, it's, some it's, book that every aggregate comic score gave, like, a three. And he's like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> well, thank you. It, it's difficult, though. Sometimes I read this, is, this past issue, week's issue of The Dreaming, late night, sitting in bed, really sleepy, tired. And I was like, I got to read this. We've got, like, two copies for the shelf. I got to read it. I can't tell you a damn thing about what any page of that was. Buddy, about. Yeah, but if you we had two it. copies of the Dreaming on the shelf because maybe someone will want to buy a whole run of it, and I order one for Roman to read. So like, don't uh, don't worry about shelf copies for ninety percent of things. If it's one that you're reading, it's, it's probably it's my favorite that we order for you. Vertigo, non-vertigo, called that anymore. Title. Well, are you excited that that's ending? No, vertigo? I'm sad it's because ending. it's starting anew as the Dreaming subtitle. Dreaming, whispering something. Whispering Simon Spurrier? And... Uh, I don't think it's Simon Spurrier, because he's doing some other book that's oh. getting him a lot of credit right now. It's my right? favorite Simon Spurrier thing I've ever read. What's mm. the thing he's doing right now that's getting some <clears throat> hot lava going? Um, I just read it. Yeah. Oh, what the heck was it? Who's it from? That Spider-Man that he's writing is good. The J. Jonah Jameson podcast oh, the thing. Daily that's Bugle? him, right? Yeah. yeah. Daily Bugle, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't have the title for you, bud. The Spire. Is it the Spire, Jeff? No, I'm trying it's to find this thing for Roman. The, the Spire, Jeff? 
the Spire title? Jeff. No, that's 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 Charles. Soule. I'm very curious about the Spire Jeff. Ooh, I like that guy. Um, but anyway, now that I'm just googling a thing for Roman, it probably means we're at the end of this podcast. Um, thanks for the question, Win. Thank you so much, Win. Win when you write in, and Win when you come in. <laughs> it's a win-win. For all of us. He can just go and go and go when it's very, very... (laughs) Waking hours. Waking hours. The dreaming waking hours. Oh, okay. um, Which will be written by a writer and illustrated (laughs) by one of their favorite artists... And a cover from Bill Sienkiewicz. It's written by G. Willow Wilson with art by Nick Robles. Do you guys ever... I'll read that. Yeah, you will. You guys ever? Yeah, uh, you know why? Because that's how this conversation started. You just read stuff. <laughs> you ever see Serrano de Bergiac where he dies for like forty-five minutes? So we'll see all of you. This is episode one sixty-nine. We forgot to 69, say dude. sixty-nine. Nice, nice, Roman. Yeah, bro. I, I, uh. I'm totally innocent. I don't know what you guys are nice. referring to. Nice. Right? 169. Man, can you uh, play some Frederick fucking Chopin to play us out? I don't, I don't know what you mean, bud, but I care about you, and uh, I'm Jeff, and I'm going to shred some Chopin, I guess. I'm Roman, and I did see that, that uh, Cyrano movie with, um, what's his name, Depardieu. Oh, yeah, Gerard Depardieu. Yes. I'm Django, and uh, Jeff needs to fucking watch Tombstone. I've never seen it. 